Welcome back to episode 6. Today we will look at our final case study as we talk to the Middlebury community about Mary Hogan Elementary. My name is Tony Nemo and I've lived in Middlebury approximately 15 or 16 years and I have had six kids in Mary Hogan school. Two or, one is left in third grade and um, yeah, so, or second grade, I'm sorry. Yes. Well, my wife calls me the Mayor of Middlebury, Middlebury because I like to talk and have a lot of friends out here and it's just a wonderful community. I mean, people on the general are just good people here. The Mayor of Middlebury. This is a very true statement. I grew up playing hockey with Tony's sons and have seen his talkative and friendly personality firsthand. Tony knows everyone, and everyone in Middlebury knows Tony, and that's the way he likes it. Well, the Middlebury community is a small community. It reminds me of like uh, maybe Mayberry from the Andy Griffith Show. Who would ever know that? It's uh, yeah. It's it's um you know everyone kind of knows everyone's business here, and it's kind of you know if you're not really doing anything wrong, who cares? Um, we uh we're very uh we're a community that um. And we look out for one another. We don't leave anybody behind. You know, we uh, somebody's sick, they bring you a castle or some food to your house. Or if someone's in need, we're there for them. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful community to live in. I'm, um, you know, people ask me a lot, uh, why don't you know, because my kids play hockey up north all the time. They're like, why don't you move up north? And I said, oh, Little Bear is a great place to live. It's a wonderful community and the school system. I, I'm really happy with the school system. And why would I, uh, why would I uh, leave a place that I'm so comfortable with? Middlebury is the county seat of Addison County, not to be confused with the town of Addison, and has about 7,000 residents. It has multiple grocery stores, banks, shopping centers, and arguably the best bagel bakery in the state. Middlebury College also resides in the town, having a significant impact on the town's economy. Although I grew up in Cornwall 15 minutes away from Middlebury, Middlebury was always the hub for everything, from buying a gallon of milk to playing a sport. Mary Hogan Elementary has about 380 kids, preschool through fifth grade. Each grade has between two to four sections. This is the largest school on our rurality scale. The district is made up of seven schools, and under Act 46, there has been the possibility of eventually consolidating some of the smallest schools in the district. But Mary Hogan is by far the largest and does not face threats of closure due to its size. My name is Judson Hescock, and my connection to education would be that I have a two-year-old who will be entering into the public school system in near, uh, the relative near future. Judson, or as I call him, Juddy, is my older brother. He and his wife Chelsea moved to Middlebury in 2018. When I say Jetty lives in town, he really lives in town. He lives in a central development called Butoff Acres. They are within walking distance of parks, grocery stores, athletic facilities, and both the elementary and high school. One thing you might hear is that Jetty mentioned growing up in Shoreham, a town next to Cornwall, which is because my family used to live in Shoreham for a majority of Jetty's childhood, compared to me, who mostly grew up in Cornwall. What drew you to Middlebury? Well, to start with, we both work in Middlebury. I'm a lawyer here in Middlebury, and my wife, Chelsea, is a nurse at Porter Hospital. And I think there are a few factors that drew us in. Number one being um, just the the house that came on the market was the right price range for us. And in Vermont, as a lot of people know, it's difficult to find housing. And 
at the time, this house that we live in now was a foreclosure, and um, it just worked out at the right price point, um, you know, certainly just starting out in our careers. And I think a few other factors, just proximity to work and to um, other uh, you know community activities was important to us. Um, and I think thirdly, a factor was the knowledge that uh, Mary Hogan here in Middlebury is not an elementary school that was going to be closed at the time that we moved in here in 2018. There were ongoing discussions at the school board level about whether or not to close certain um, more rural elementary schools. And um, those are ongoing discussions, but you know we wanted to move to Middlebury, let the dust settle. And just to, to be sure that if we move to a more rural town, which we may do in the future, that the school wasn't then closed shortly thereafter. Um, my wife and I are both from rural Vermont, and we like to probably move back to a more rural town at, at some point. But uh, we're happy with our dis- decision at this point. Do you feel like you've noticed a big difference living in Middlebury compared to like the towns you grew up? What makes it, this town less rural? Sure. So I grew up uh, on a back dirt road in Shoreham and um, just you know, the proximity of neighbors. Um, and so that's a number one big difference. We live in a development here in Middlebury, so we have neighbors all around us. Um, I, you know, difference wise, just the commute that that part, you spend a lot less time in the car. Um, I love rural Vermont. I love Shoreham. I love a lot of the small rural towns of Vermont and um, certainly miss the beauty and miss um, you know, the people in, in rural towns are are wonderful. Um, but we've also found our the people and friends in Middlebury to be to be wonderful as well. Um, so it it's I have no there's not really a, a good or bad analysis. I think it's just a, a difference. Um, there's pluses and minuses to living in uh, you know, a more dense, densely populated town versus a less populated town. Um, as I said, the people in both towns are wonderful, and I, I think it's just a cost benefit. And I, and I think the biggest factor at this point is just the affordability of, of homes. There, there are more homes in Middlebury versus in the more rural towns. Um, houses tend to be more expensive just because there's more land associated with them. So um, our hope is, as we progress through our careers, that we may be able to move back to a rural town, but um, we're we're happy where we are right now. Yeah, and I will say about um, sometimes, sometimes in rural areas, the sense of community can be a, um, a little bit, I don't want to use the word stronger, but it's maybe more defined because there's just fewer of you, and so you have a, a band-together mentality a little bit more. Um, it's not a knock against anyone who lives in a bigger town, or you know, it's not a better or worse scenario. It's just sometimes the um, the bands or, or the how communities are bound together are it's just a little more explicit in the smaller towns. Mm-hmm. The threat of school closure is real for families. They want their kids to be in schools that aren't about to close or consolidate. 
This brings more families into larger towns like Middlebury, which further decreases student enrollment in smaller towns and further increases small school closures. Jenny brings up another important point. Less rural areas like Middlebury draw in young families who will be able to have shorter commutes, spend less on transportation, and be more involved in the community activities for their kids. My name is Jen Kravitz. I'm the principal at Mary Hogan School in Middlebury, and this is my third year as principal there, but um, my 15th year in education in Vermont. Are you considered a Title I school? We are a Title I school, although we are not a school-wide Title I school. So um, the funds that we get from, the the title funds that we get are specifically directed to students who are um, at risk um, in some way based on our definition Mm -hmm. of that. So if you have over 35% of your student population, you can use it for school-wide programming, but we can't. Before her position at Mary Hogan, Principal Kravitz worked at Cornwall Elementary School, a small school within the district in a more rural community. She said she's seen the ways a larger school has greater needs at times. So I think size is actually really important. Um, there was no there was no reason why you would need like a count. I mean. In terms of the students a counselor saw in Cornwall, there was no need for a counselor to be at the school every day. The tricky part was was that, like, students don't have a hard time only on certain days of the week, right? And so then what ended up happening is that often, like, the principal picks up that role, and I'm not as tra- I'm not trained in that role, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think the student population at Mary Hogan is large enough to support full staffing. And I think that that is a benefit to students. It means that we might have some more complexity to our students, um, but we also have more flexibility. We also have a custodian, like we have daytime custodians, whereas in Cornwall, like there was no custodian there during the day. So if something broke, like I was often the one fixing it. I asked Principal Kravitz if the Mary Hogan School has experienced a decrease in staffing resources after Act 46. No, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think that we haven't really seen a big shift in staff. I think that, you know, one thing that we had two years ago was a social-emotional learning coordinator at Mary Hogan. That's now at the district level. I think that that's, you know, we've lost some time with that position, but I also think it's benefiting the overall district in ways that feel more sustainable. I would suspect that as we continue to keep like looking at numbers, that Mary Hogan won't necessarily lose like counselors or um, nursing staff or teachers based on like our numbers. We have half the students in the district. Principal Kravitz said the location and community resources outside of the school have had a positive impact for students and families. No, I think that Middlebury has a lot of the resources in the area. Certainly people go to appointments up in Burlington, but I think having both CSAC be based here, I think having the Mary Johnson um, Children's Center and their after-school program is based at Mary Hogan. 
like there are, I think there are just community resources. So if a child goes to counseling first thing in the morning and come like, they're not missing more than, you know, they're missing a little bit of school. Um, I also like, I guess I feel really lucky to be in Middlebury because it feels like we have a lot of natural resources in the community that, um, I've actively cultivated partnerships with because we're just a more resilient community as a larger community, the more connections we have and the more we can support each other. So like we have a really pretty strong connection with the college and with um, CSAC and with DCF and we're building more connections. Parent Tony Nemo said he thinks the school does the best they can with the budget they have. He has had multiple children who need IEPs an independent educational program where they may need specialized assistance and resources. I think the school does their best to make it available. I, I, I've been through that. Um, so I think that if you actually, if a parent actually in Middlebury here, if a parent actually goes to bat for their child, shows up, suits, you know, suits up and shows up and communicates with the school, the school, the school works within the IEP guidelines in order to give your child what they need. He said that advocating for your kids is crucial as parents. He recognizes that the school is trying to help kids, and oftentimes it takes parent-to-school communication to achieve student goals. He said that students whose parents don't advocate for them, especially students on IEPs, can quickly fall behind. As we've seen, and as we've seen in other districts, conversations around closing some of the smaller schools comes with mixed emotions. I asked Tony Nemo what he thought about the possibility of school closure in the district. You know, I'm all for, I'm all for, uh, you know, for them keeping their schools, but, you know, who's going to pay for them? If people want to pay for that for their own towns, that's understandable. But I think that all that comes out of Edison County in general, and it just doesn't work. It's kind of like where a lot of the mom pop. A lot, of my, a lot of the mom and pop stores have closed down. They just can't compete. It's where, you know, they love it, and that's where they want to be, and that's great. But, you know, if you can't do it economically, you know, you can't ask other people to a point to pay for your child to go to school. During COVID-19 remote learning, family support and access to technology became a clear inequity that teachers like Adam Gould saw at Mary Hogan. Adam teaches kindergarten, so a majority of his students needed parent support to get online. It was a huge change and a huge shift, and definitely um, it was a it was a struggle. It was a real problem for a lot of families. Well, right away, I think that there were families who were much more kind of computer literate. Um, whether it's because their work required that or they had access to technology at home. Um, you know, so right away when we went remote, um, some families were right on top of it. Um, and then some families maybe who didn't have a computer or a tablet or something like that at home. Um, and the district, you know, did a great job kind of on the spot having to pivot and, you know, send Chromebooks home to all families who needed one and send meals home to everybody and um you know it was pretty impressive the undertaking that that happened but we could see right away during that change that um you know which families were able to to access our zoom meetings every day which families needed more help which families needed more support from the district 
As the literature found, there is a decrease in access to broadband high-speed internet as rurality increases. However, even if families had access to the internet in Middlebury, they still lacked a device to give them access to that internet. When students came back to school in fall 2020, they were split into two groups, each group going to school twice a week while teachers used Wednesday as a planning day. That was a different set of challenges because we had to kind of create two separate curriculums for in-person, but they also had to be, we had to tailor it to, to be able to do at home too. Um, it was really, it was really difficult. Adam and other teachers felt and continue to feel overwhelmed by COVID-19. Trying to take care of both education and health safety has not been easy. The school is both a space to learn, but it is also a social center for students as they interact with peers. Jen Kravitz said she has never been busier as an educator. So I think that schools are asked to do a lot. And I think we see that in the pandemic pretty plainly um, in terms of, you know, making sure that kids are getting tested for COVID, um, hosting vaccine clinics, now making sure um, tests are going home to families. Um, So I think that there's always that's just like one example. Right. So there's always a lot asked of schools. A lot is asked from schools, and every teacher and principal I talk to wants the best for each student they work with. COVID-19 puts stressors on Mary Hogan teachers, students, and families. Act 46 leaves staff wondering if consolidations will add more students to their already full classes. 